Hello, welcome to ISU Redbirds podcast. I am John Pemberton, former ISU Redbird from 1985 to 1990. I am joined by Steve Thate, ISU alumni from 1984 to 1988. I am also joined by John Diner, ISU alumni from 1984 to 1988. Hello and welcome to Bird Fans Forever podcast. This is episode eight. We're going to end this at episode 10 because once I run out of fingers, we're done counting. So, um, all right. So today, this episode is going to be with John Jones. He played at ISU from 2010 to 2015. Uh, He's currently in Barbados and he's doing a tremendous job of trying to feed people in Barbados. He graduated, I believe, with either a horticulture or a business in agriculture, but he'll talk to us about that. Um, As always, thank you for watching us on YouTube. You know, hit the like button, subscribe. We love that. Um, You know, just enjoy that. Um, Also, we have a podcast, right? So if you want to listen to the audio version, uh, you can listen to us on your favorite um, podcast app listener, whether that's Google or Apple or wherever, right? So please go out and listen. Um, and so with that, John and Steve, how you doing? We are going to go and we're going to go talk to John Jones. Here we go. And welcome. We are here with John Jones, ISU Redbird from 2010 to 2015. Um, this is Bird Fans Forever podcast. So we're going to get started with John. Dude, here we go. This is your this is your platform, big man, right? We're talking about recruiting by Jankovic, but then playing for Coach Muller. Hit well, it. It was, it, it was, let's start off by saying college was beautiful, man. Um, coming from a small island in the Caribbean, you know, I've ne- I was never introduced to playing in front of big crowds or even seeing um, basketball at that level. So having the opportunity to even play basketball was was amazing for me, you know. Um, there, at the time when I visited ISU, I had a, I, you guys probably don't know, but I had about 50 track and field offers. Because really? I, I was- Didn't know that. It was actually wow. one of the in shot put. And I actually won the Caribbean um, championships in Javelin. So I was, I had about 50 college offers, Mizzou, um, Indiana, Indiana State, every every single body within um, Iowa, they all like. I remember Louisville coach at nationals as a uh, in, in primary school. I, I mean, in, in uh, high school, I met. They were running me down, and, and when they found out that I decided to play basketball in college, you know, it was a big bummer. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I was I was really good at track and field, but it was a tough decision to make. And the guy I actually lost. Um, to the Caribbean Championships went on to win the Olympics, so we were we I was I was very very good at track and field, yeah. Um, but um, so at, so why did you decide to go to basketball versus track and field? Basketball is just more fun. I would say that <laughs> <laughs> track and field all season is so boring, and I mean yeah you get excitement with it, but it the. The, the core of it is, is it's not much fun. You're out there doing it by yourself. Um, that's yeah. probably what they don't tell you. You know, you usually see the Olympics and people winning, but the the the, the, the self work you have to do by yourself, it's it's not that we're scared of it, but it's not fun. <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. Right. Um so at the time when I visited ISU, I had I, I had a really good um visit 
And um, there was a coach that was in charge of track and field, Elvis Ford. He was coaching there. He yep. actually from Barbados. So oh. I felt happy and I felt confident. And there were four other Barbadians that were there already. So I was like, you know, this might be my home. I, I took the visit one day and I was, I think within a week or so, I, I tried to get the Clarence House stuff um, finished. And I was like, I think I'm gonna just go here. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a tough choice for me. And it wasn't far away from Chicago where I would frequent most of the time. So I, I felt good going to a mid-major that was a good fit for me. Awesome. So you met with Coach Ford, but did you meet with Coach Jankovic at the same time? Um, yeah, I met with Coach Jank the same day um, I got there. And um, Coach Jank was fun, you know, old school kind of guy, um, you know, happy to see you, happy to learn your culture. You know, he's always, he's always um, he was never um, a bad, never did a bad thing. I, I, I think I could say that about him. He was very good yeah. to um, to play under as a big man because I mean your job is easy. You're always involved with the um, the pick and roll somehow, and you know you get some garbage points or, you know, it wasn't too much thinking playing under him to be honest. Basketball was pretty simple and easy at that at that time playing under him. We we would run a lot of um, transition, um, offensive plays. You know, different different sets that, you know, if this guy comes down, you come right into the screen for him and. You, the guards, the guards were um, dominant with the ball in the hand, but they were very good off of screens in uh, my freshman year. So we did a, we did a lot of um, stuff with Coach Jank that was simple, and it fit the team um, when I was a freshman. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about that the, as we were getting prepped for this discussion with John, um, and I told him I had two great pictures of him setting screens. And as a big, right, he's 6'9", he's 265. I was 6'9", 260. So um, could totally relate to his game. So I, I, as soon as I saw those pictures, I had to grab them, right, and save them and get them ready for the podcast. So, yep, 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 yep. So, John, right. you get you, you get it I, to ISU, right? You said what? And I think when you – so when you come to ISU, right, you probably expect that you're going to play – yeah, yeah, I, right away. Um, I know I had a little issue with the clearinghouse before I did, and um, they didn't give me the verdict um, until I got there. Um, but it was some for some reason, I think that um, my playing clock had started because I went to high school as a sophomore instead of a senior. I don't know. I don't know who did it, but that was um, that was the verdict based on um, the years that I spent in high school based on my age. So coming from Barbados, um, we usually do um, six years in high school. This is from like 10 to 16. And then you have other schools where you go do a higher level education. But I didn't go to that. I just went straight to high school overseas. So that's probably the okay. why. Because um, when you come from the islands, they want you to go straight to college. They don't give you, you know, most guys go get two years in high school to get established and stuff. When you um when you come from the islands, they usually advise you to just go straight to college. So that was, I think, that was the reason why um two years was taken away from me. So those first two years, you're doing a lot of practicing. Um, it, the first year, did you did you get to travel with the team or no? No, I didn't get to travel at all with the team. Um, um, even close road games. I remember me and Connor, um, which was the ball boy we would he would drive down and stuff so i would i would hitch a ride with him like if we're going to indiana state or um maybe st louis 
to like the championships games. And, you know, I would often wonder like how would it, cause the team was very good my freshman year. I remember yeah. um, we, we were very, very good. We were playing against um, Wichita and stuff. We had, we had stringed a lot of wins my freshman year and sophomore year. We were actually really good. So not being able to be out there, cause at some points, I mean, there was Jordan Treloff and then there was Jackie, but they, uh, there was Iki and Frenchie too. So they had a lot of bigs my freshman year. I would tell you that. So there, there was no doubt that I probably would have had to, to fresh, to, to, to race shirt freshman year. But yeah, um, it was, it, our bigs weren't like traditional bigs, all of them. I mean, Frenchie was 6'10", shooting threes. Um, Iki was 6'10", shooting, I mean, 6'9", shooting threes. Um, Treloff and Jackie were the true, the true big man. And Jackie was so versatile. He, he could do anything, you know, he could shoot threes, he can put the ball on the floor. So, Having a having that ability to play the four and the five as bigs, I, I wanted a piece of that action because I feel like you know you gotta always guard Jackie and then you know the other big man if he's versatile you get you get a chance to get out there and get in right involved. Yeah, practices were tough. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> we used to uh, we used to had to, to to do a lot of screens. I mean, we would hard head screens and then like it's so difficult hard heading on Jackie because Jackie can pop and shoot roll to the basket, and then Jackie's so strong that if you switch on the guard, you're dead. <laughs> right. Yeah. Look, he's only one of the top rebounders in ISU history and scores, so. Yeah, he, he just had a knack. You were playing against one of the best. Yeah, he had a knack to find where the ball was, and, you know, he would never run out of energy. He would just always be there at the right time, and he had athleticism out this world, you know. I remember yeah. times getting dunked on in practice, you know. <laughs> so so how did you stay motivated, you know, just practicing and grinding versus being able to play in games? I mean, that that had to be a grind. Um there was a there was an assistant coach, um I think he actually left and went to I I, I can't remember. He was very tall and um we would he wouldn't travel um he would oh, I mean, he would travel with the team, but when game day come we were always have like game day workouts, and he played a very good role in like developing me as a player. Um, we had a nice relationship, and then um, the coaching staff. You know, we would always work out on game days, and I would feel part of the team. The only thing that was missing is, is actually being out there in the games. Yeah. yeah. So it it was tough, I would say that. But um, you know, I think freshman year I was on the Reggies. I I, I got a. Um, 3.6 GPA, so I, I had enough time to, to actually buckle down and, and do some work in the club. That is awesome to get, yeah, to get started with a high GPA as a freshman. That is just so tough to do. Yeah, I mean, it's it was. I mean, coming from our educational system in in, in the islands, we're pretty advanced. Um, as uh, we're pretty advanced in some basic stuff like math, English right. stuff. We're pretty advanced with that because I remember. Um, taking calculus and pre-calculus and all that stuff in college. That was pretty easy because we do that at 16, 17 years old here on the island. So that, that school was pretty easy for me freshman year, I can say that. Good, good. And, and what I was getting at is the, the time crunch of practice and film session and all that stuff, right? To pull a 3-6, that is just awesome. It took, I ain't going to lie. I'm not going to lie. It took me a long time to adjust to um, – I remember my first day, I remember we were going through uh, summer workouts in the gym, an open gym, 
But like the first day of like actually being a college athlete, I was beat. Like I, I remember um, we had individuals for like an hour and then we had weights right after for like an hour and a half. And then, yeah, coach, I thought that was it for the day. And he was like, nah, there's two hours of practice in the evening. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> this, is, this is nothing compared to what I'm used to. But it felt right. You know, it felt like you was taking the game to another level. We felt like, you know, you had to get stronger. You had to get faster to adjust to the college game. So, you know, you just had to welcome it with open arms. And open gyms were fun. Oh, we would play games after games all day. And, like, we would have open gym for, like, and coach would encourage you to have open gym. Like, two hours, and we would play fast games with, like, a, a shot clock, 15-second shot clock. So you just get the guys to go up and down. But it wasn't bad at all. And were you doing those um, uh, um, open gyms, that the North gym you're doing that in? Yeah, um, yeah both, depending on what um, what's free. Because during the summertime, you know, Sometimes your events that's in the arena. So right. North Gym was fun, though. I mean, when you close those doors, you get to. Was it air conditioned yet or was it still hot as an oven? I think it was air conditioned when I was there, oh, but it was man. still blazing. I remember times having to pull the door open and just go get. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, open the, you open the door on the one end of North Gym, you open up the other, you put the fan blowing in through one and sucking out through the other to get an air Perfect. flow through that thing. Or you just, yeah. stand, you just stand in front of those big fans for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, you, you were part of a whole bunch of memorable games. And one of the ones that I remember the most was uh, beating a top 25 team, Dayton, at home. You want to tell us about that game? Oh, that game was really good. I, I remember everything about that game um, down to – setting screens and, and, and running back on, on, on defense when we were up, making sure that we can get the, the stops. Because every four minutes we were saying, you know, we want to win this four-minute war. So we broke that game down to every four minutes if we can score, score more. Than, I remember Dan. Dan is really good at that, and the coaching staff was very good at that too. They would break games down down to um, four-minute games. And we would, we were practicing in practice, so we were very good at it. And um, – I remember getting a couple blocks in the beginning and saying, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really going. I, I'm, I'm, then I post moves, I'm like, yeah. Then we got a couple stops and, you know, everything everything seemed to be falling good for that game. I remember we didn't lose much games at home that year. If any, I, I don't think we lost any games at home. So we were very confident that once we played in our um, in our white uniforms and we're at home, I don't know, I don't know if that really, but we would win most games. And um, Dayton was good. Dayton was, they had bigs that could shoot threes. They had bigs that, you know, put the ball on the floor. Um, I remember Deontay Hawkins, that was his hometown. So it was a big game for him. I think he had a really good game that game too. Um, and when we actually won and the fans stormed the court, I'm, I'm like, this is what I see on TV. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. And I remember going to the pub too that night, and we we just had a ball. <laughs> <laughs> so the part I remember the, the the most vivid memory of that thing is at the end of the game, the the, the fans storming the court, right? And, and you know the fans are women are five feet tall, right? Guys are up to six feet, and then there's these. It was just a massive mob, right? And then there's these two tall ones, and and and. 
Reggie in the middle, jumping up and down, and just always surrounded by all these shorter people, just stuck out like a sore thumb. But it was just a massive crowd. I mean, you just had it filled like just swarmed and overwhelmed. Yeah, and the, and and give credit to um, whoever puts together the student section because that was crazy. I remember student section just keeping so much. No, every basket we had, every dunk, you know, they're throwing stuff in the air. They had these big signs with like. Um, Reggie's head uh, sitting. Up. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah, you on the court minding your basketball, but then you still like you're not. You're not supposed to notice that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you still got these little small points that you actually remember by seeing, you know. And that was oh, yeah. That's what makes the game so so beautiful. You know, the fans come and they actually support and you. Feel loved. And I remember um, the whole sorority. Um, she was supporting us every game bring like 40, 40 um, of the sorority girls to come to the game. And it was beautiful seeing them um, come and cheer you on. They know you in person. Like when you sit in class, I'm like, oh, that's him. Uh, you know, and it felt it felt good. I mean, the school was so big, but then to know like people in the stands face to face was beautiful. Yeah. So, so the, another game that we went to, uh, uh, John and I went to, um, and you, you had a really good game was uh, – um, it was against Texas A and M, right? So it was like, it was either CBI or CIT. Yeah, just CBI. And I, I remember yeah. the game really good because I I sat out eleven games uh, with a with a I had I had a Jones fracture to my um to my right foot, which is a common fracture amongst big men. You usually you see big men get that. And um, I was like, I just got to win this game. I just want to win this game. I mean, I remember the the, the camaraderie of the team, like everybody wasn't I, I don't I don't think everybody was fully in the mood because you know we had we hadn't made it to the NIT. It's like, oh why are we playing in the CBI? Like but for me it's like I did, I just need some more games. After after I was out for um for for, for, for about eleven games, that's about two months doing nothing but what I, like the stuff that I did my freshman year practicing again on the treadmill, on the bike, I was like, I just gotta get a game to get to get the ball in my hands to feel again. And I had a good Couple post moves and I had a really good game that game. Yeah, and you guys dominated him. Yeah, and it was that it was that Redbird again. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, the point guard for Texas A and M. Uh, I actually met him after college because um, my my roommate when I was living in Australia when I was playing, he was actually best friends with him. So I actually I actually got to know him a little bit, and he was good. He was really good, like tall. He was about six five, fast. He got a lot of steals. And that I remember the scouting report because that's all they talked about in the scouting report. Don't pass the ball bad; they'll steal it and then they'll just dunk it the other day, the other way. Yeah, I could talk about one more game. I remember um, playing in the um, playing in the Virgin Islands, and we had to play um, LSU. And these guys were so big, so much bigger than us. And, and you know, <laughs> we won though. I think we won, or I think I think we won that game. I I, I could be wrong. But the the bigs for uh, from uh, I think one played in the NBA and he was huge and he was just dunking everything. <laughs> he was <laughs> uh, every single play. I think you had um they had another guy that was a three. He was six ten at three, you know. And he would they would they were just dominating us. Yeah. All right. So we we talked about a lot of good wins, right? Mm -hmm. So there's there's one other game we we're, we're going to talk about. Yeah, man, that, that we gotta talk about. Yeah, <laughs> you know which one we're. T 
I think it was sophomore year. Um, we were in the Valley Championship game, and I'm, your senior year, right? Our senior year, yeah. I'm like, we're finally gonna get a chance to go to the NCAA tournament if we win this game at halftime. I, all our minds probably were big, like you know, this is the opportunity that we want. This is what we want to see. And then um, we were up by 20, and I remember Deshaun Knight was killing it in the in the first half. I, he, at that point in the season, he was our go-to guy. You know, he could get a bucket anyway. You just set him a screen, yeah. shoot off the screen. And um, it must have been that, that basket or something because when we switched sides, I think we were playing Northern Iowa, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when yes. we sides, Northern Iowa couldn't miss. And I'm, I'm seeing them just chip away at the lead, chip away at the lead. And I, I think me and Reggie were in foul trouble because we were, we were matched up against um, – I think their four man, he could drive the ball so good, and and, and shoot, and they they were just a good team, Northern Iowa, and I couldn't believe that we lost. Um, but I know that um, Deshaun Knight for sure and Cooper uh, Sutton, they were they left their heart on the on, on the court that day, because I felt like we we had a we had a, a good chance of making the NCAA tournament. I, I mean. Must have been bad luck. I don't know. Must have been the rim. I, I'm guessing it was the rim, but I just thought we were then and there, and we were going so good because we had. I remember we had beat Wichita uh, a couple of days. Before. The game before. Then we had beat. We had also. I think we had actually knocked off three um, ranked teams that year. So we had good Colorado going into um, going into uh, the, the Missouri Valley Conference because we had actually. You know, put up a fight with most most teams going into the, going into that, and then the fans. I remember the, the whole place is being red. I remember so many fans came down, and, and not the first day, but it was just purple over there and red over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was beautiful. yeah. I was like the beautiful game and a beautiful memory. As sour ended, but beat to be there and actually you know play. At a high level like that, I think it's still something to hold close to my heart. And I still love all the teammates that we, you know, years after losing, you know, we still love each other. We still talk to each other, all that stuff. All right, so we're going to roll into our next one. And this is a sad one. We're going to talk about the seven, uh, put a picture of the symbol of the seven. Uh, I got a great picture I'll put up here next of, you know, John with his arm on Dan. Um, I'm going to try to keep it together here because this is very sad for all of us. Just want to hear your thoughts. You know, what was it like? On, um, uh, what it was like being on stage with Dan and, and kind of give us your perspective? It was it was it was sad. I, I, I remember seeing year. Uh, it was super foggy outside that morning. And when I woke up, I, I, I had, you know, I hadn't looked at my phone all night. And when I woke up, I'm like, well, I'm a senior and I'm done playing. So, I mean, if I see like messages from coach, I know one of the freshmen or something did something wrong. I didn't expect that news at all. Yeah. Um, it was sad. It was very sad. Um, to today, I still miss Coach 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 Ward. Man, he he was there for me every step of the way. You know, his family and we we we, we would all get along. His little son, I would he would spend the whole summer there with us. And and then you know the guys at the pub and everybody else that was there, we would always see them and, you know, be a part of them somehow. You know, they were always looking after us, seeing how how, how best they can, you know, make us feel happy because most of us are home, you know, in, in Bloomington. So that was our home away from home. 
And losing them, you know, is, is something that, you know, struck the nail in our team for sure because we, we wasn't expecting that at all. And, and everybody was sad. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you wish that would never happen. You know, you can't question it either, but it's one of those things you wish would never happen. You never had to go through it as a team because losing, losing a part of your team, because we see each other as family. So losing, losing, losing any part of your family is hard. It's, it's, it's real hard. So, you know, it's something that I think about dearly. You know, every time, every now and again, I, I got a big uh, poster of Coach Ward that I, I got, I got sucked up. And when I look at it, and then I remember, like everybody else around me, that, that it's, it's, it's hard to sometimes digest. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. We again, I post those pictures up when we're doing the podcast, and you know, they were. It was a very sad day, and so we're going to move on to something that uh, makes me um, very proud to be a Redbird. For those that don't follow John Jones on Twitter, you got to follow him, right? He's doing some amazing stuff down in Barbados. John and I and Steve were talking about this as we started putting a list together of players we wanted to talk to, and uh, the, the stuff you're doing with feeding people in Barbados. Let's hear it, buddy. This is awesome. This, this is something that... Um... This is something that I always had as a kid. Um, I would always find a way to grow stuff. You know, if it be a little, a little small kitchen garden at home, when I was growing up, I would, I would stick some lettuce in there. I would stick some crop in there. But when I, um, when I, um, when I became an adult and I actually, you know, I, I started brainstorming of what, what, what could I do it in college? Because I actually was a business major my freshman year, and and I had to change my major because you guys would know being on the road and playing basketball and, and having to take these these next level accounting classes and you're missing two classes you're lost when you come back you come back into class you're lost um, <laughs> i did that i'll change my major to uh, agribusiness um after my freshman year and i wasn't struggling in this i wasn't struggling in class and stuff but i just decided you know what this accounting and this business major wasn't working for me so what's the next best thing or what's or what's the next thing that I want to do, you know, and I said, yeah, I called, let me interrupt for a second here, John, yeah. you weren't struggling because you had a three, six, right? <laughs> I mean, you, I had a 2.09, that's struggling. 3.6 isn't struggling, big man, right? I, I know, right? So, but um, the accounting classes, they were kicking my butt. I, I, I'll be honest with you. you know, I know, I know when to, when to pull out and when to, you know, no, no. Um, so, Choosing choosing um agro business, it was good. It fit right into my um to the credits I had already. I I, I was actually almost overqualified for something. I, I mean, who needs calculus taking um taking a agro business huh? But um it was, it was beautiful learning uh, and then um you know Illinois is such a farming community. And you get to spend time with everybody in my class. Probably had one of those monster trucks and 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 and. They're I mean, I, I only have 50 acres. They, they probably have 5,000 or more acres. So um, coming back home at first, I was a little scared, you know, what I'm going to do with my life. But as soon as I got rolling, it felt just like basketball. I'm not going to lie. It felt just like, you know, get ready for the season, put soy seeds, get whatever you want, and then you, you just keep going. And then if, if I'm in a position to help people now, because, I mean, most of our stuff is imported. So if I can create a little niche market of local stuff, 
that's 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 something better than 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 what's being imported. So I get people to follow me now, and I even teach people on Twitter how to grow. You know, it's not just about the money for me now. It's about you know how many lives can I touch with everything that I grow. That and that, and, and and you know, I recently took over um a farm um uh, my own operation because when I first moved home, I was uh, I, I had a job of a manager at the biggest farm in Barbados. And uh, that taught me a lot over three years. That taught me a whole lot. So I was like, you know what? Maybe it's time to take a leap of faith and just work for myself. And we sat down and we talked. The owner of the farm before we sat down and we talked. He was like, yeah, you're, you're ready, man. I, I know you're ready because you, you show it in your work. And then all the stuff you did at my place, you know, you can take that and you can mold it into what you want to do. So I actually decided that I'll, um, I'll start with teaching kids how to farm. Because a lot of people don't see it as a career here. But it's a very wealthy yeah. career if you do it right from early, and um, it's 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 been good for me so far. You know, the the the, the public has accepted it as 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 who I am. Um, besides that, you know, business business wasn't bad during COVID. I had a chance to to feed a lot of people. Being you know, there's so much import stress going on, and then Panama, you can get stuff in. So I use that actually as a little motivation. Like maybe I can create a little niche market for myself, and um, and help others you know the farm that i have right now is still pretty young you know we're, we've we've only been operating for about six months fully um it took me a long time to get the um to get the infrastructure done because um stuff you know farming is a is something you got to chip away every day at it's not something you wake up in the stock market you just get your money gone you know you, you actually <laughs> dig some gold out of the dirt you know <laughs> but um for the most part, it's been rewarding to my soul, and and that's something that I wake up every day and be thankful for. I can say that for sure. Like I don't regret making the decision to um to put the ball down and pick up the fork or pick up the tractor. You know, I, I don't. Regret yeah, that. yeah. Well, you're big enough to pick up a tractor. That's not a doubt about that. But yeah. But yeah. Again, for those that are listening to our podcast, right. Please follow John, right, and watch what he's doing on Twitter. And I don't even know if you're on Facebook. Yeah, um, same same name as John Jones. A yeah, couple of yeah, I think I'm, I see you more on Twitter than I do on Facebook. But yeah, the amazing stuff the other day I saw that you had helped people plant bananas and that stuff. Yeah. And so yeah, so it's, again, it's, God bless you. That's awesome. Twitter is beautiful, man. I I think it's the one place that's interactive, and it's something that you know a whole bunch of people can learn from just one post. Yeah. Yeah. You want to tell everybody your Twitter handle? Um, the Bajan Farmer. The Bajan Farmer. Yeah. So if you just go type in the Bajan Farmer, everything should just pop right up. And we'll link it at the bottom in our YouTube post. I'll put a link in there. Um, if you're following bird fans, we're following John Jones. Or if you're following John Pemberton, I'm John Pemberton 53. And I'm following John Jones. You can find it that way also. So. All right, hey, guys, one here. question before we let you go. Did you grow those peppers? Which ones? The purple ones? The ones you challenge everybody to eat. Oh, the hot no, ones. No, 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 no. I, I grew those, but I'm not eating them. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing with them, then? They're blazing hot. <laughs> I grew them. I got what those you... peppers um, from my buddy. He um he brought in some, some seeds. So I was just trying them out to see how hot they are. I'm actually gonna make some um some pepper sauce, um soon maybe tomorrow yeah. Nice cool. yeah. All right, so now we're gonna wrap up. 
John, thank you very much. John Jones, I issue Redbird from 2010 to 2015. Follow him on Twitter. He's doing some amazing stuff. And that is the end of episode eight. eight. Thank you. I had to look up my screen to make sure I get it right. <laughs> episode eight. <laughs> so thank you. And Mr. Engineer, time to take us out. <laughs>